What is up, guys? Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Taylor Burroughs. How are you doing, Taylor? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad to like sit down with somebody face to face. Everything that I've been doing lately has been like on Zoom and like over the internet. So it's great to have you here. Yes, it is. It's not <laughs> a very common thing these days. Yeah. So you're a relationship therapist. What exactly does that entail? Well, I, I'm not a therapist anymore. Okay. I'm a retired therapist. So now I work online as a coach. I'm so, I've been self-employed three years in May. Wow. So it's Congratulations. Been a great transition. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Just being able to make it my own and yeah. do, do things my way. Absolutely. Being your own boss is the best. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So like I was just telling you, my audience is mostly males ages 18 through 30. I would say like 90% of the people that watch my videos. So I feel like there's a lot that I want to ask you. Um, like for instance, for me, I would never think about going to a counselor or a therapist, but um, there's a lot that I think uh, it could really be useful for. So what is the biggest issue that you see with men like my age um, that they're dealing with? How old are you? I'm 27. <laughs> uh, I actually have a lot of clients that are men in that age range and women too. Uh, a lot of them have been in relationships that have been like maybe left them kind of heartbroken mm -hmm. and lost. And so they usually find me because they've been through some kind of phase of like pickup artistry, you know, like uh -huh. they've, they've learned like the dating coaching um, content online on YouTube or whatever, but they felt unfulfilled by it. Right. And so they see my content and they feel like it hits the right sort of middle ground for them. So they don't want to be either the asshole or like the nice guy. Right. So that's my my niche, really. Finding that common ground. Yeah, exactly. So and I think too, I provide like a little bit of a of a sort of role play. And uh -huh. I don't mean that in any kind of odd way, but just right. like the practice of talking and opening up to a woman and having a female's insight, but one that is more rational and can sort of help you in a in a comforting way. Okay. So you talked about finding almost like a balance, like not being the asshole, but not being the nice guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, how does one do that? Like what is the first step in that direction? Well, it's always, it starts number one with being the man that you are, right? Mm -hmm. Not trying to be someone else. And I think okay. a lot of times men are marginalized, you know, for lack of a better word, I don't want to get too political, but I think they tend to put their needs aside and they don't even really have a sense of who they are. It's just who other people want them to be. Hmm. And so I really focus on developing that with them, focusing on developing a connection to their mission. And sometimes that can be a really difficult process just to really have that sense of purpose these right. days. Like, you know, like, do you think that's hard with like the way society is? Cause we've gone so far, you know, from like the hunter and gatherer phase, like that, you know, real traditional man to where now, you know, sitting at a, you know, an office desk all day. Do you think that that's having like a, some sort of a mental effect on men overall? Absolutely. That, and just really being punished for doing things in a masculine way, mm -hmm. whether directly or indirectly. It seems like, that, you know, media, mainstream media, whatever, the status quo is trying to neuter men and their behavior in that way. I can see that. Definitely. <laughs> is that too strong? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's appropriate. I mean, this is the man cave podcast, so. Yes. <laughs> Go man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, that's from a, a man's perspective. And you said that you deal with women a lot too, young women. What is, 
the issues that they are finding in, in men today? What is like, would you say the most common thing that you think men to work need to work on from a woman's perspective? Um, well, I think it's both. I think it's, it's parallels what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. It's women who feel that men are, they're too docile. You know, they're not really taking charge. Mm -hmm. They're not inspiring a sense of respect from the women that they date. But at the same time, it's like there are the ones that just sort of exploit them for sex. So it's the right. same dichotomy. It's like, okay, well, you know, how do we get on like a, like a common ground, basically? How do we get on the same page? Men and women have not really understood each other for a very long time. And that's one of the main aims of my work is to really help them find that way to connect and on their similarities, but also understand their differences in a way that they they welcome because it's it's a complementary dynamic between men and women or should be. But if men are like out of whack and women are out of whack, then it's just chaos. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's one thing that I was watching recently on your YouTube channel is you talk a lot about finding somebody that is healthy and you know the key to having a healthy relationship so what are some things that you think men and women alike should both be looking for when trying to find a partner well i i call it the vetting system that's what i, I i've developed um, my version of that i'm sure somebody else talks about vetting uh -huh. but for me i think the most basic fundamental thing is to determine if the person if they're a good person right? Like what is their character? Mm -hmm. Are they honest? Do they do what they say? Um, and once you find out like if they're just a generally a good person, you want to know, are they healthy in every way? You know, fitness, health, um, financially, emotionally, just generally they should be stable or working towards that. Like it's not like don't be with someone who has problems, but make, sh make sure that they have agency, that they're working at you know, resolving that or doing what they can do, what's in their control to work towards health mm -hmm. and stability. And if they're happy, they're just a generally a happy person. Now that looks different for men versus women, right? So like, I don't want to assume like men have to be smiling right. and, and, you know, gregarious all the time. That's not what I mean. But a general sense of ableness and strength, right? That's what happiness is, is right. really competence and peace of mind. Um, and then that they're inspiring. They inspire you in some way, right? There's that connection. Mm -hmm. That's really important. Right. Um, I've had a lot of friends that I've watched them be in like bad relationships. Um, and I don't think they realize it or maybe they're just putting up with it for too long. What, 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 how could, you know, what's a good way to talk to a friend without, you know, <laughs> I guess upsetting them to the point where it ruins your friendship and, you know, kind of helping them see that their relationship might not be healthy. It's a really tricky thing to do. Uh, one lead by example, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're healthy and you're happy and you're talking about the good things in your life, they're going to start to pick up on the contrast mm -hmm. between their life and your life. They need to know that there's something else out there that's possible because a lot of what we see and a lot of, a lot of what we hear about are like disaster stories, right? Like you yeah. don't hear about the good relationships because they're at home enjoying their lives together. Um, so I really encourage people who have healthy relationships to demonstrate it. Talk to, about yeah, it. Especially to your communities, whether that's your friends, your family, or your literal neighborhoods and, and communities. But especially when you have friends and you see them in that 
position of, of struggle. Um, you don't want to be too bullish about it. You know, you can't really right. force feed them the information, but I would check in with them, you know, and see where they're at. Like, what is their readiness? Like, are right. you happy? Like, do you want things to stay like this or do uh -huh. you want things to change? And really just letting them slowly come to terms with whether they feel they can change it because sometimes people want to change what what they're dealing with but they don't know how and so then they just accept it passively and they get complacent yeah, exactly okay um most of like my friends or people my age in general i feel like everyone's waiting longer and longer to get into a serious relationship or get married um I got married at 23 and you know, most of my friends are like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, what's wrong with you? But I knew I found like the perfect person that I wanted to be with. You know, it wasn't something that I planned, but a lot of people that I see today are, you know, whether they're with the right person or not, I see a lot of push, like pushing away, you know, saying, you know, I'm not getting married until, you know, I'm 30 or 35. Um, and you know, do you think that's healthy, like waiting that long to get married? Obviously, you don't want to just get married just to get married. But I, I feel that it's so different today versus traditionally how it's been. Do you think that that's a good thing? Well, I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with getting married at 23 like you did. If you're in a good place and you've hit those general points, right? You're healthy, you're happy, you're in a good place, or you're working towards that. There's no reason why you should hold off, but society does, modern society does encourage people to wait. And men, they have a different, a different process, right? I think for men, they take a little bit longer to establish themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, just because the way that things work, uh, between the sexes, you know, like women, they're kind of, their value is inherent, you know, okay. whereas a man's value, and I'm not saying that men are not valuable, I'm saying their value is in the protection and the provision and all of that stuff. So it takes a while to feel competent and confident in doing mm. that, to be a leader, right? You have to develop those skills. Whereas a woman's skill set uh, when she's healthy is more internalized. You know, it's really just being that calm, comforting force. I mean, obviously you want to be competent too, but you're not, you don't need to really be a doctor or a lawyer or, um, it doesn't mean you, you can't do that. But I think what, what's happened is the timing of things has shifted. Mm -hmm. So instead of encouraging women to get settled into a family situation early when they're able to like biologically fertile and stuff, um, they've really pushed that timeline too far in the other direction and emphasize career. And so a lot of women in my demographic who are now like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm not happy. Like, not I'm happy now, but I'm talking about a few years ago, mm -hmm. like realizing my focus on my career just detoured me in life completely until I almost felt like it was too late. And so a lot of people right. feel like they've given up or they lost out. Hmm. Interesting. Never thought about it like that, but it makes sense. What do you, uh, what do you think about online dating? I don't, like apps or sites for my clients. Uh, I work with people. What I suggest to them is using the natural settings that they're mm -hmm. in online. Well, I, I agree with you. You do. Okay. A lot of people don't understand how it works, but interestingly enough, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, one of my female clients, I have a, like a women's coaching group and a men's coaching group. Okay. So I use them for my matchmaking services particularly, but this one lady who's relatively new, 
she's been struggling because she really, really wants to start a family, but she wants to wait and find the right partner. And so yesterday, actually, last night, I was listening to the, the voice note she left me and she was so excited. She was like, you know, I was just trying to rack my brain and brainstorm some online communities that you were talking about that I could use instead of these dating apps. So I made her get off the dating apps, delete them. And so I asked her, what are her hobbies? Like, what does she do in her free time? And is there like a digital element to it? Is there like a messaging board or whatever? And so she called me all excited and said she contacted this book club like, person. <laughs> okay. And she was like, after a, like a 20 minute conversation, she was like, oh, I have someone that, that, that you would get along with. And they ended up talking mm. and hit it off. And she's like, you were right. Like these things happen when you prioritize the right thing. So it, it does work. It just takes a little while to, to think about things differently. Right. If you were, if you had to choose any of the online dating apps, which one would you think would be like the best? Twitter. Twitter? <laughs> Dennis and I met on Twitter. Really? Yeah. Okay, nice. I know a lot of people that met through Twitter. So I, I consider it, it's not like a dating app. Right. I have to, I have to. It's your it. dating app. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it, it really does work. You learn about the person in their natural temperament, like what they do day in and day out. Um, you know, like you can see how they engage with people. You can see their values, like right. based on what they post. Or who or, they really are. They're not just trying to, right. you know, be somebody that fits what the other person's looking for. Exactly. It's more of their true self. Yep. Um, what, what's something that young men can do to really become confident in, with themselves? Well, they need to be active. So getting fit, you know, doing whatever activities they have curiosity about. Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have to be just the gym and lifting weights, but it is really important to engage in masculine types of activities, right? You got to get the testosterone pumping. That's going to help you feel confident and lower your stress hormones. So that's a the biological basis. But when it comes to like emotions and stuff, you also need to, to practice. You just need to engage. Uh, so I encourage young men and women to just talk to anybody. You know, it doesn't have to be about picking up a girl, but talk to people in the street, talk to people in the elevator, in the grocery store. Just make a habit out yeah, of it. Yeah. You, you, you have to sort of flex that muscle right. of public speaking or being spontaneous and handling awkward moments in general and have fun with it. You know, there, when you take away the expectation at the end, like the outcome mm -hmm. that you're, that you want, you can just try to make the best of the moment and the experience and the interaction. And then it kind of frees you up to just sort of play with it and yeah. not take it so seriously. No, that's, that's really good advice. That, that kind of makes me think of like when I started like my YouTube videos. So I do like pranks and uh, <laughs> like social experiments, interactions on YouTube and before I did that, I would really never think about going up to anybody in public and just start talking to them. But once I started, like you said, flexing that muscle mm -hmm. and just like, you know, I started getting in the habit and getting comfortable with myself of just going up and doing anything or having no fear of rejection or embarrassment or things like that. Once you start exercising that muscle, it, it gets to a point where you don't even think about it. That's right. Yeah, so. I'm sure you didn't start doing these YouTube videos like totally competent and right. confident. You know, you have to start somewhere. And then the uh -huh. more you iterate that, the easier it becomes and you internalize that. And it, it's yeah, it's a process. Yeah, I think sm like starting small is really important, whether it just be like, you know, when Corona is over, just giving someone a high five on the street, like, you know, that simple interaction and then, you know, building up to like next thing, you know, you're starting conversations, saying hello, getting to know people. And uh, I think also like kind of what you were saying is just involving, involving yourself in activities and being a part of a community. 
another way or another tip that I give out is, um, I don't know, there's all these like, like, well, Yelp, Google app, Google maps. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of some other group on, you know, all you need to do is to just scan them, like see what's going oh, on in okay. your area. That's and a good idea. Cause a lot of people are complaining if they're alone and they're, you know, they're stuck inside or whatever. They have no, no, nowhere to go, nothing to do, but there are things happening. Yeah. So scan it. Find something you're interested in. You don't have to be good at it. You don't even have to know anyone involved and just take a shot, you know, try it out and see what happens. You never know. I like that. One thing that I saw on your channel that I found super interesting was uh, the term alpha widow. Ah, yeah. Could you could you explain a little <laughs> bit about that? Because I was very intrigued by that. I love the name alpha widow. That got a lot of response. So the whole point of that video was trying to find a common ground between one-itis, which these are jargons. I don't, these terms are, are like jargon from the red pill. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not. But one-itis is generally like that one that got away when the man is like, he's just fixated on mm. this one woman that was the perfect woman that he lost sight of or he, you know, whatever, he messed up. Um, and so he he he's like a broken man after that, mm, right? Interesting. So you get it? One-itis? Yeah. Okay. And then the alpha widow is generally the way that it was developed was not like defined the way that I defined it in this video. It was a reframing of it to try to find a common ground so that men and women could understand each other a little bit better. And so the way that I was comparing them was saying like alpha widow is someone who is in the same light. Like she has experienced this relationship with this guy who was like, a, you know, the, the guy that she fantasized about some kind of like bravado alpha type of guy. Mm -hmm. And it slipped through her fingers for whatever reason, like it didn't work out well. They, he broke her heart. Um, you know, however it, and usually it's a bad ending. And so that's what I focused on in the, in the video is when a woman feels like she messed up, uh, her chances at having this great guy, she has like that, that, sort of string attached to him that she can't let go and every man she meets after that she compares to him hmm. right so it's kind of like a one-itis but yeah. with a guy uh so anyway i thought it was a, a good way of of getting men and women to be on like equal ground so that they could empathize with each other whereas a lot of times there's infight or not infighting but there's fighting between the sexes you know, where men will always say it's a woman's fault because she's so selfish and hypergamous right. and always looking for a better man. Um, and then women will complain about men being their assholes or dogs. All they want is sex or whatever. And instead of fighting with each other, I tried to emphasize the empathy piece and understanding that everybody's hurt. Right. <laughs> everybody's trying to, you know, be happy. And so we really need to understand each other more than, you know, just bitching and complaining and blaming the other person. Uh, if you take care of yourself and make sure you're coming from a good place with good intentions and you take responsibility for who you're interacting with, like who you're dating, who are you in a relationship with, instead of just sort of, you know, being passive or complacent about it, then, you know, you're going to have a better result. What do you think the secret is to a long lasting, healthy marriage? Ah, I have that. I yeah. have that answer that I, I came up with a formula. So it's, it's kind of simplistic, but I can expand. It's logic plus desire plus love equals an ideal relationship. And the obviously the the unique part is the logic right everybody knows about you know 
marry for love, marry for this, but, um, and the attraction, which is right. really important. But a lot of times people forget the logic component, which really just means you have shared values, you make sense, you're compatible, you're complementary, and you respect each other because you're so compatible. You, you have the, those shared values and shared lifestyle, um, vision and, and all that sort of stuff. And so a lot of times what people will do is they will try to compensate with high sex, sexual desire or high attachment levels when they still don't really make any sense and they try to force it. Mm -hmm. So I try to get people to understand that no matter how much you feel about someone, if you, if the relationship itself between you and them doesn't have its own competencies or merits, then it's not going to work. So it's kind of like building a house, you know, you got to have that solid foundation, but the love and the, the sexual attraction is really important, but it's not the, it's not sufficient right. in and of itself. It's not going to make it last. Exactly. But there's certain things that you can work on once you're in it in order to develop that, to fill it out and be the whole package for each other. But sometimes, sometimes it's not possible. And you have to accept that, which is hard. Right. Uh, a lot of people, you know, especially today, are not waiting, um, like saving themselves for marriage. Um, do you think that there's negative effects of sleeping with, uh, you know, say my wife slept with X amount of men before me or my husband slept with X amount of men before me? Do you think there's damaging like long term effects of that? Yes, generally speaking, like they call it the pair bonding, right? That that sort of the ability to attach properly um, to your partner is reduced the more partners really? you have. So yeah. each partner you have, it is harder to attach. Well, it's a correlation. So it's not an exact science. And so people have really been emphasizing this point. But for me and my purposes as someone who was a trained sexual trauma recovery spe specialist, uh, I like to focus on the fact that a lot of these people are really damaged. So you can't really separate the number of people that they slept with from the origin of all that. Like, how did they even get to that place to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what happened to them? And every time, you know, casual sex in general is re-traumatizing to a woman or a man. You know, it's a little bit different, but... If you go to the extreme, it still has um, damaging effects for men as well. So it is really important to encourage people to be more selective. And the way that I work with people is I, I basically tell them that if they're going to be working with me, they're not going to be engaging in sexual behaviors with multiple people, that they're going to be waiting until they vet for someone they're going to give their all to and be exclusive with. So that's what I encourage men and women, but specifically with women, I believe it's really important to, I think challenge them on that is a great way of, of saying it because it is a challenge because they've really been encouraged to be sexually liberated and act like men and just go off and do whatever they want uh, in regards to how they treat their body and their sexual right. choices that they feel like it's an attack on their worth really yeah hmm. and I, I mean i do think that's realistic that that a lot of people it's like a double i don't want to say double standard that's such a loaded term but you're telling women uh to be sexually liberated but then you're judging them at the same time like right. if they've if they're promiscuous so 
we need to kind of figure that out and stop being so inconsistent with the message. What is healthy for women is to not be sexually promiscuous. I mean, I think that's objectively true. So the more people encourage that, I think the better off we will be. And this is where we talk about cognitive dissonance, right? Because when something is true, you know it in your head, like at the back of your mind, that this is wrong. But you're, you know, you're, what you're doing is contrasting that. Like it's in opposition to that knowledge or that awareness. It creates this disconnect. And that's the cognitive cognitive dissonance. So a lot of people are going around behaving in ways that they know deep down inside are not good. But they're doing it because it's what society says exactly. you should do. Exactly. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on with like gender and all that, especially like today. What do you, what do you see as some of like the good things um, that, you know, changes that are happening? What do you see as some of the bad things? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I haven't really thought about what are the good things. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I know it's kind of like I'm, I'm realizing I should probably spend more time thinking about that <laughs> and not the bad things. But I am seeing a lot of hopeful things in, in my work. And so that's really encouraging to me. Like I mentioned to you earlier, maybe we were off air, that I've had a lot of 21-year-old clients or 24, 25, and like in my group for women, I have an age range, like it goes up to, let's say 50. And so these women are, are spanning from 21 to 50. And the, the women that are in their 40s um, were just commenting on how great it is to know that these women, these young women are starting off so young thinking about these things and really trying to take better care of themselves and honor their values. And I'm not like a trad con kind of person mm -hmm. uh, but I have sort of come full circle <laughs> in my life like being more liberal in my past and then really coming to terms with the fact that I had this cognitive dissonance and I emphasized my career and knowing that I would have I would have really liked someone to be around to really encourage me to do what I'm doing now for these younger women so I hope this message continues to spread because they are they are spreading it. Actually, today, all these girls were ladies, I like to call them. Um, they were asking, how can I tell my housemate? How can I tell my friend about this? I want them to buy your book. Uh, they, they're now using the terms that I teach them. And so the message is spreading. Right. And people are confronting the fact that maybe they aren't doing things the way that they should because they're unhappy and they're they're overweight and they're they're sick and they're drinking too much and they're you know doing all the things that are bad for you and 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 just not in a good place and so maybe that's all connected yeah you, you so you wrote a book <laughs> it's an ebook I, okay. I wrote an ebook and a coordinating workbook and what's it called it's called the ideal relationship system but it's okay. not just for people who are like single and looking for a partner, it's also for people who are in a relationship and want it to be better. But the workbook is great. It's what I was um, talking about before about having a mission. So I, I, I focus on developing your ideal self. And I always have to explain, I don't mean like you have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect, but you want to be able to be self-actualized. That's really what it is. It's being your optimal best self. Um, and it's always a horizon you know you don't ever arrive there one day right. you're just working towards that and and being mindful of growth so what would you say um because like you know just you know i'm on twitter and instagram and on the internet all the time and i always 
see, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things out there like very like sexual content, you know, whether you're just on the Instagram explore feed or just like, you know, I feel like, I feel like every girl is trying to be an Instagram model and then, you know, they all have to one up each other. And next thing you know, like everybody's posting half naked pictures on Instagram. And I feel like that's contributing to like a lot of young men that are probably struggling with, you know, watching porn and doing other things. What are what are like the effects that that has on a young person's brain? Uh. Yeah, it has a lot of bad effects. Um, the the simping, right? Like the, the men <laughs> yeah. that are, that are, that's what the kids are saying these yeah, days. Yeah, that's, that's what I hear. <laughs> so um, the behavior is all about attention seeking, validation, and and objectifying yourself for that. Um, but it's it's kind of like an easy, a easy way for men also to feel like like a reward system. It's like gaming yeah you know what i mean so it's an endorphin rush exactly there's a lot of bad effects of of gaming over you know chronic use uh whether it's porn addiction or just gaming or anything like that uh so you you want to really humanize it basically you want to be able to use it for its social communication networking purposes and step away from you know seeking that validation and the 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 you know endorphins and all of that um what was that movie that came out that they were talking about? Uh, oh, gosh, I forgot the name of it. Anyway, it went into detail about how the online um, mechanisms really affect your brain and how they yeah. train you uh, to look for notifications. Oh, I know the movie you're talking about. I don't know the name either, but yeah. it's like a simulation kind of deal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all are victim to it, right? So we we have to choose to be more mindful about it and unplugging is so important being able to put your phone away. I, you know, I work online, so I'm definitely guilty yeah, of that. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> I check my notifications for Instagram and everything, but if you do it consciously, right? If you if you do it with a purpose rather than mindlessly, and you're aware of the quality of the interaction and the people that you're connecting to, there's you know tons of messages that I don't respond to or I block because it's inappropriate, but well, you know, a lot of women, let's say, are encouraged to humor it mm-hmm. and maybe like entice them a little bit and they need it because they don't have that self-esteem or that that own um, validation in their real life. And so they they sort of use it uh, for that purpose. And it's sad. It, it's it's not a stable behavior. Right. But it goes both ways. Like the men need to stop the simping. Yeah. And the women <laughs> need to stop exploiting it. Yeah kind of going hand in hand with like pornography but do you think that masturbation has a negative effect in relationships I've gotten this question a lot lately somebody asked me to do a video on it so I might actually do a video um you know I think it's one of those things that's a personal preference there is a way to use masturbation pornography in a way that doesn't hinder the intimacy levels in a relationship um even when I practiced you know formally I, I dealt with some couples where we brought this up and there's a threshold when it becomes a compulsion right. and when it, it definitely ha- presents itself as a barrier to the intimacy and attachment uh, and sexual gratification system between the couple, right? So y- you have to know where to draw the line if you're allowing it. Mm-hmm. You know, if both people, their values are are permissive to it, you know, they're okay with having some of that or not upset if 
one or the other is masturbating or whatever, um, then know what it would look like if it was a problem. Usually there are visible effects, right? Um, obviously the biological, not being able to, 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 I don't know how explicit you want me to be, but it's fine. <laughs> to be erect or to, um, you know, have premature ejaculation or anything like that, uh, for the men. And then for the women, it's just not, not being able to climax, not being able to get out of their heads. Uh, it could be because they're insecure or it could be because they're just not connecting and they're sort of segmenting their sexual gratification system from whatever porn or masturbation they do and their partner. So that's definitely when it's a problem in a relationship generally. But I mean, if like what I tell people is no, it's, it's not a good thing to encourage in your relationship, but it, it does depend on the couple. Um, usually one person is more a proponent of it than the other. And the other one is just more permissive because they don't know what else to do. So what are some qualities that, um, you think are, good to have in a relationship what should men and women be looking for in a partner and how do you know if that partner is the one i use the term like ideal man and ideal woman and ideal partner right it's kind of the the that's what it's implying is that this is an ideal woman and you have that strong chemistry so you should go for it but, uh, let me zoom out a little bit to the macro picture I don't know if you believe in soulmates, like you said, like you knew you were going to yeah, marry your wife. I would say I do. Yes. Okay. Well, I think there's, we should be passionate and romantic, but I do think that there's a danger of sort of being too caught up in the Disney-esque uh, I would agree with that as well. <laughs> okay. So I, I talk about ideal partner and there's a finite number of ideal partners out there for each of us. Mm -hmm. There's more than one, but less than a thousand? I don't know. Like okay. It's a theoretical concept, right? So let's just say there's 500 ideal partners, maybe a thousand ideal partners out there for you. Um, you want to think like in abundantly, you know, you don't want to go out there and be like, oh my God, I only have this many people that uh -huh. I could find and, and then be all desperate about it. But you also need to respect the fact that it is rare to really click with someone who is you know, like they're worth worthy of being with. It's right, just really right. hard to find all of the elements in one person and that ideal partner. So I encourage everybody to go for it the first time they find an ideal partner because you never know. However, there's a caveat. Let's say you're your age when you got married, like 23. Was your wife the same age? She's two years older than me. Okay, around same age. So let's say at 25, she meets her ideal partner, you, and she just wasn't in a good headspace or there were things that she felt like she needed to do. Option B, instead of marrying you, could have been like, you know what? I'm still really young and I'm really you know, beautiful and I've got a lot of things going for me, but I still want to work on this, this and that. So I'm going to pass up this chance with this ideal partner and I'm going to throw myself back into single life in the dating pool. I feel like that happens a lot. It does happen a lot. And I'll, and I'll you know, I won't assume that it's going to happen again for a while, but I, I can risk it. I'm still young and, and a good catch. Mm -hmm. So I got 10 years to find the next one. So that's the, the caveat is like you have the option to do that but it's a pretty big gamble right so go for the first one you get that's my <laughs> advice but it is hard to spot sometimes i think if you're not really looking for it and it just sort of you know 
you, you just sort of, most people, how they date is they, whoever's there, whoever shows up, whoever's mm -hmm. like, you know, they're, they're attractive enough, they're nice enough, right. then they just start dating them. Like there's no thought process to it. So if you're like that, then it's just, it's very messy, the dating process. But if you wait and you be more like observatory, like you're just taking more neutral observations of people, you're taking care of yourself, you're developing you, whatever your interests are, your work, your health, um, and then you, you vet them you see that they're, like I said, good person, healthy, happy. They inspire you. Mm -hmm. Is there genuine interest there? That is in and of itself hard enough to, to determine. Like people have a hard time figuring out if someone is genuinely interested in them. Um, genuine desire is the easiest thing to determine. But then it's the respect component. Is there respect there? If you have all those, then by all means, give it you're all and give it a proper shot, but don't be distracted by dating other people and having sex with other people. Like this is the worst thing that you can do, hedging your bets. I don't know where people came up with this idea. Yeah, how, how important do you think it is for, um, you know, you to like uh, your significant other's family? <laughs> so important. Why? Uh, well, you're gonna be living with them for the rest of your life. Uh, uh, nobody's perfect, nobody's family is, well, maybe some people's, but <laughs> generally speaking, perfection is not the goal. There are gonna be things that you um, may not like, but you have to consciously decide that you can handle these really bad things, right? Right. So even about the person. Is it worth it? Yeah, is it worth it even with your partner? Like you, you have to, spend enough time with them and f get to know them well enough to find the worst of them. Because then you, you have to then decide. Then you really know. Yeah. Can I live with that? Uh -huh. You know, is it, is it like, you know, it's not that bad or I, you know, I don't know what it could be. You have like, well, like me snoring. <laughs> <laughs> is that livable? Yeah, yeah, it's not so bad. So it's not like you're consciously testing it, but you want to go out and do things that will introduce stress to the relationship, right? Don't be afraid of um, like protecting and guarding the relationship from stress because the Test more- Test it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's going to be tested. Right, and eventually. so family is a big one. Yeah. Family is a big stressor. So if you can have a, a really nice time with family and, and you know, you're comfortable, you have the, sh the shared values is probably the most important mm -hmm. piece and lifestyle. Because if your family, the extended family is overweight, they eat like crap, um, they never do anything, they're, you know, and, and you're an active person, it's going to be really hard because when you have kids, they're not going to be taking care of them. So, you know, you have to weigh all of these things into your decision for a lifetime partner or spouse. What about uh, like religious and political views? Do you think that that should be a deal breaker when finding a partner? Do you think that you need to be on the same page as far as religion and political beliefs? Or do you think that uh, is it a big risk going into it knowing that, oh, you know, I'm Christian and you're Jewish or I'm a, a Republican and you're a Democrat. Those are the big, some of the big topics, right? That you have to decide if they are deal breakers for you. And I have, that's what I work on with people first before I introduce them to anyone or, or go through that process is 
asking them to clarify what's a negotiable and what is a non-negotiable. Do you think it increases the chance of a breakup down the line if those are the, the circumstances? Politics, definitely. Um, I mean, if you're, you're it, you can make it work if you're both tolerant. If you're both moderate, basically. And I've seen that happen, but it's something you have to discuss and you have to test. Um, if you're anyone's extreme, it, it's very unlikely that you're going to make that work. Right. You, you can kind of, you know, keep the lid on it <laughs> for a while because you're so hot for them. But ultimately, <laughs> it's going to crash and burn when it really matters. So I would really encourage people to not go in that direction. And same with religion, too. I mean, these are how will you raise children together? You have to ask yourself that. Is right. this the person that's going to be the mother or father of my children? If not, then at least frame it as like a short-term healthy relationship. But a lot of people don't think that way. I mean, you don't have to know how long you're going to be with someone, but you should know whether this is a potential life partnership or spouse, or if it's just someone that's a really good boyfriend or girlfriend for the interim. How long do you think people should date? I mean, I know this is a broad range question, but on average, like, what would you say is a good time uh, for people to date before getting married? Because you said, you know, it's really important to test the waters on a lot of different mm -hmm. things. So how much how much time do you think you need for for, I guess, to really push the limits of the relationship before you know that you are ready to for marriage? Well, it depends on what happens, like what you go through. You can go through a lot in a relatively short amount of time. But, you know, if you I wouldn't say a year is too short. I, I would say a year is too short to get married. Two years, I think, would be a good frame for engagement. Mm -hmm. um, once you stretch beyond that, and it, and it also depends on your age, right? So like if, if you're... The clock's ticking. Yeah, I mean... You have to be mindful of a lot of contextual factors, but ultimately, if you're going through a lot together, you've checked all the boxes, and I don't mean that in a trivial kind of sense, but like you've really vetted them and you've met the family and you've talked about your values, like you've been active in the process, then there's no reason why you can't get married within three years. Like people that are dating forever and want to get married, but just get complacent in the relationship, that's not a good sign because ultimately someone's gonna feel the pressure and then what happens is a lot of people end up getting married when they didn't really want to and they weren't really compatible for each other, but they just felt attached and obligated. Hmm. So that's one of the reasons why we see such a high divorce rate. Do you think a lot of people get married when they're not all the way in? Oh, yeah. What, what percent of people, if you had to guess? Well, what is it, the divorce rate right like now? 50 something. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's probably a mixture of people who weren't really that into each other felt obligated or were just really hot for each other mm -hmm. and didn't have the other element right? right so i don't know what sort of combination proportionately that would be but i would i mean maybe maybe like 60 40 70 Dang. i don't know it happens a lot that's for sure i wow. mean I, I have to untangle people from that kind of situation in my work i mean i work with people who sometimes have been divorced three times you wow. know so you hear a lot of stories and they become quite repetitive mm -hmm. and you realize the patterns that people find themselves how, in how common it is oh yeah do you watch bachelor no <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of it 
Uh, I used to. Back in the day, I've seen a couple seasons when I was younger. I don't know how long it's been on the air. but Like 20 years yeah, or something. So Crazy. it had to have been a while ago. Um, I thought it was pretty gross. I mean, it was entertaining, but it was mm -hmm. like watching a train wreck. Back in the days when reality TV was something that I I would watch in my spare time. Sometimes it's good just to turn off the brain and laugh. Yeah, but mindless TV. Yeah, I, now that I'm more conscious about those themes, though, when I when I watch it, I'm like, oh, my God, you see the impact that it has. Yeah, you're seeing the like negative effects that it's giving to mm -hmm. like 10 different people, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, it, so you think it's pretty messed up format? Well, the whole idea of of the multiple dating and um like the validation and the competition it's just it's it's really an experiment at chaos mm -hmm. like how to really mess that's a good with way to put it minds. yeah so, yeah so I, <laughs> I mean it's a great idea for tv but not not for actual human beings right uh what what advice would you give to somebody that's going through a breakup um well you have to decide it's the the waffling that gets you you know um you have to decide we're broken up, right? This is a, 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 a determination that I'm coming to. I'm arriving uh -huh. at this Yeah, you see a lot of like, oh, we're broken up, back together, broken up, back together, broken up, still sleeping together. Yeah, that's not good. That's, that's, it's, if you know anything about attachment, you know, attachment, you need to have secure attachment in a relationship. And this is definitely going to hinder your ability to attach when it's like anxious, avoidant and all over the place. So you need to cut the line, get off social media, like block them, mute them, whatever you, you need to do. Um, but don't engage with them, no contact. And this is different if you have kids and it's like a divorce or whatnot. Like obviously it's a little bit more complicated, but for in your twenties and you're breaking up, you have to come to that determination and exhibit self-control and don't be looking at their social media. So do yourself a favor and block them and focus on yourself. Really take stock of what that experience was and what you learned about yourself and about the relationship process and maybe talk to somebody, you know, like not someone who's going to just, I guess, like... I don't know, give you bad advice, but someone who's going to just be there and listen to you and really be constructive for you. But you definitely don't want to spiral into bad habits either. Mm -hmm. So it's really good to ha use that as an opportunity to hit the gym and focus on earning money or finding stability in some way. I like that. Focusing on yourself. Um, where can the people find you if they want to hire you as um, a coach or a counselor of any sort? Where, where can I find you? Well, I think Twitter, I don't know if a lot of people are on Twitter, but I'm very active on there or Instagram at Taylor Burroughs. So is it the same with your Twitter? Yeah. Is it it's at the same. Taylor Burroughs. Yep. And YouTube is at uh, Dr. Taylor Burroughs, but you can search my name uh, and they can contact me on Telegram as well. I have a great free Telegram channel now. That's okay. What's Telegram? I've never heard of it. You've never heard of Telegram? No. Okay. So it's kind of like a WhatsApp, like a messenger okay. app. It started that way, but they keep adding new features. So you can have a broadcast channel or you can have groups, but there's a lot of um, multimedia now in the features and uh, different different um, things that you can do that I really like, like editing your, your comments and there's the privacy hmm. is really good on Telegram. So okay. a lot of people have moved over to that. Uh, Interesting. And... Yeah, I, I find that there's a lot of engagement on 
in the in the channel itself that's oh. really really good and, and constructive so people from all over the world there's people in you know india and i have a lot of fans in india yeah india and philippines are big for yep. me and africa there's a lot of like yep nigeria is a big one for me exactly so it's great to be able to learn about other parts of the world netherlands too has come up a lot. really oh, interesting <laughs> so wherever you are in the world you can absolutely connect with people who have shared values and are working on the same kinds of goals so you don't have to feel alone and you don't have to use these silly apps um you know that's <laughs> it's all about like yeah competing on looks and and who can make the most money right how tall you are and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. so yeah i think make, making it meaningful your connections is the message that i can share with people today and don't take it for granted don't be complacent you know start as early as you can on developing yourself and limiting your your time spent on people to those that really matter that are worth your time mm -hmm.